Section 11 of According to Promise. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Valuation of the Promises, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. We have thought upon the promises as our treasure. It is time that we should take a survey of them and calculate their value. Since the promises are our estate, let us form a correct estimate of our wealth. Possibly we may not fully know how rich we are. It will be a pity to pine in poverty from ignorance of our large property. May the Holy Spirit help us to form a due valuation of the riches of grace and glory reserved for us in the covenant of promise. The Apostle Peter speaks of the promises as exceeding great and precious. They do indeed exceed all things with which they can be compared. None ever promised as God has done. Kings have promised even to the half of their kingdoms. But what of that? God promised to give His own Son, and even His own self, to His people, and He did it. Princes draw a line somewhere, but the Lord sets no bounds to the gifts which he ordains for his chosen. The promises of God not only exceed all precedent, but they also exceed all limitation. Even with God himself, for an example, none have been able to vibe with him in the language of liberality. The promises of Jehovah are as much above all other promises as the heavens are above the earth. They also exceed all expectation. He does for us exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or even think. Nobody could have imagined that the Lord would have made such promises as he has made. They surpass the dreams of romance. Even the most sanguine hopes are left far behind and the loftiest conceptions are outdone. The Bible must be true, for it could not have been invented. The promises contained in it are greater for quantity and better for quality than the most expectant could have looked for. God surprises us with the surpassing fullness of his cheering words. He overwhelms us with favors till, like David, we sit down and wonder and cry, Whence is this to me? The promises exceed all measurement. There is an abyss of depth into them as to meaning, a heaven of height in them as to excellence, and an ocean of breadth in them as to duration. We might say of every promise, It is high, I cannot attain it. As a whole, the promises exhibit the fullness and self-sufficiency of God, like God himself, they fill all things, unbounded in their range. They are everywhere about us. Whether we wake or sleep, go forth or return, they cover the whole of life from the cradle to the tomb. A sort of omnipresence may be ascribed to them, for they surround us in all places at all times. They are our pillow when we fall asleep, and when we awake, they are still with us. How precious also are the thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! 
exceeding all conception and calculation. We admire them and adore their giver, but we can never measure them. The promises even exceed all experience. Those men of God who have known the Lord for fifty or sixty years have never yet extracted the whole of the marrow from his promise. Still it might be said, The arrow is beyond thee. Somewhat better and deeper yet remains to be searched out in the future. He who dives deepest by experience into the depths of the divine promises is fully aware that there is yet a lower depth of grace and love unfathomable. The promise is longer than life, broader than sin, deeper than the grave, and higher than the clouds. He that is most acquainted with the golden book of promise is still a new beginner in its study. Even the ancients of Israel find that this volume passeth knowledge. Certainly I need not say that the promises exceed all expression. If all the tongues of men and of angels were given me, I could not tell you how great are the promises of God. They exceed not only one language, but all languages. They surpass the glowing praises of all the enthusiasts that have ever spoken. Even angels before the throne still desire to look into those marvels, for they cannot yet reach the mystery, the length and breadth and height. In Christ Jesus everything exceeds description, and the promises in him exhaust the force of all speech human or divine. Vain is it for me to attempt the impossible. Exceeding great, Peter says they are, and he knew right well. They came from a great God. They assure us of great love. They came to great sinners. They work for us great results and deal with great matters. They are as great as the greatness itself. They bring us the great God to be our God for ever and ever. God's first promise, that in which he engaged to give us his Son, we are wont to say, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. But let not the words glide too easily over the tongue. For God to give his only begotten Son is beyond all conception. A great deed of love indeed, great seems too little a word to describe such a miracle of love when the lord had given his son freely delivering him up for us what then he promised to give the holy ghost the comforter to abide with us forever can we measure the value of that great promise the holy ghost came down at pentecost in fulfillment of that ancient prophecy was not that marvelous descent an exceeding great and precious gift. Remember that the Holy Spirit works in us all those graces which prepare us for the society of heaven. Glory be to God in this visitation of boundless grace. What next? Our Lord has given us now the promise that He will come again a second time without a sin offering unto salvation. Can all the saints put together fully measure the greatness of the promise of the second advent. This means infinite felicity for saints. What else has he promised? Why, that because he lives, we shall live also. We shall possess 
and an immortality of bliss for our souls, we shall enjoy also a resurrection for our bodies. We shall reign with Christ. We shall be glorified at his right hand. Promises fulfilled and promises unfulfilled, promises for time and promises for eternity. They are indeed so great that it is impossible to conceive of their being greater. What more can he say than to you he hath said? You who unto Jesus for refuge have fled? O ye whose minds are trained to lofty thought, tell me your estimate of the faithful promises. I perceive a promise of the pardon of sin. O ye forgiven ones, declare the greatness of this boon. There is the promise of adoption. Children of God, you begin to know what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on you in this. Tell out your joy. There is the promise of help in every time of need. Tried ones, you know how the Lord sustains and delivers his chosen. Proclaim the largeness of his grace. There is the promise that as your day your strength shall be. You that are working hard for Christ, or bearing his cross from day to day, you feel how exceeding great is that promise of sure support. What a word is this! No good thing will be withheld from them that walk uprightly. What a sentence is this! All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Who can estimate the breadth of such a glorious assurance? No, you need not take that foot-rule from your pocket. It will not serve you here. If you could take the distance of a fixed star as your base, all reckoning would still be impossible. All the chains that ever measured the acres of the wealthy are useless here. A certain millionaire glories that his state reaches from sea to sea. But no ocean can bound the possessions secured to us by the promise of our faithful God. The theme is so exceeding great that it exceeds my power of expression, and therefore I forbear. The verse upon which we are now thinking speaks of exceeding great and precious promises. Greatness and preciousness seldom go together, but in this instance they are united in an exceeding degree. When the Lord opens his mouth to make a promise, it is sure to be worthy of him. He speaks words of exceeding power and richness. Instead of trying to speak of the preciousness of the promises doctrinally, I will fall back upon the experience of those who have tried and proved them. Beloved, how precious the promises are to the poor and needy! They that know their spiritual poverty discern the value of the promise which meets their case. How precious also! are the promises of those who have enjoyed the fulfillment of them. We can go back in memory to times and seasons when we were brought low, and the Lord helped us according to his word. Even before he brought us up out of the horrible pit, we were kept from sinking in the deep mire by looking forward to the time when he would appear for our rescue. His promise kept us from dying of hunger long before we reached the feast of love. In the expectation of future trial, our confidence is in the promise. Thus, it is very precious to us, even before it is actually fulfilled. 
The more we believe the promise, the more we find in it to believe. So precious is the word of the Lord to us, that we could part with everything we have, rather than throw away a single sentence of it. We cannot tell which promise of the Lord we may next need. That which we have already noticed may yet turn out at a certain moment to be essential to our life. Thank God. We are not called to part with any one of the jewels from the breastplate of Holy Scripture. They are all yea and amen in Christ Jesus to the glory of God by us. How precious are the promises when we lie sick, gazing into eternity by the month, together sorely tied and tempted through pain and weariness. All depressing circumstances lose their power of evil, when our faith takes firm hold upon the promises of God. How sweet to feel I have my head on the promise and my heart on the promise. I rest on the truth of the Most High, not on earthly vanity, but on heavenly verity. Do I repose? There is nothing to be found elsewhere comparable to this perfect rest. The pearl of peace is found among the precious promises. That is precious indeed, which can support dying men and cause them to pass into eternity with as much delight as if they were going to a marriage feast. That which lasts forever, and lasts good forever, is most precious. That which brings all things with it, and hath all things in it, that is precious indeed, and such is the promise of God. If such be the greatness and preciousness of the promises, let us joyfully accept and believe them. Shall I urge the child of God to do this? No, I will not so dishonor him. Surely he will believe his own father. Surely, surely, it ought to be the easiest thing in the world for the sons and daughters of the Most High to believe in him who has given them power to become the children of God. My brethren, let us not stagger at the promise through unbelief, but believe up to the hilt. Furthermore, let us know the promises. Should we not carry them at our finger-ends? Should we not know them better than anything else? The promises should be the classics of believers. If you have not read the last new book, and have not heard the last act, of the government, yet know right well what God the Lord hath said, and look to see his word made good. We ought to be so versed in scriptures as always to have at the tip of our tongues the promise which most exactly meets our case. We ought to be transcriptors of scriptures. The divine promise should be as much written upon our hearts as upon the pages of the book. It is a sad pity that any child of God should be unaware of the existence of the royal promise which would enrich him. It is pitiful for any one of us to be like the poor man who had a fortune left to him, of which he knew nothing, and therefore he went on sweeping a crossing and begging for pence. What is the use of having an anchor at home when your ship is in a storm at sea? What avails a promise which you cannot remember so as to plead it in prayer? Whatever else you do not know, do endeavor to be familiar with those words of the Lord, 
which are more needful to our souls than bread to our bodies. Let us also make use of the promises. A little while ago a friend gave me a check for a certain charities, and he said to me, Be sure that you pay it into the bank today. You may rest assured that this was done. I do not keep checks to look at and play with. They go to the bankers, and the cash is received and expended. The precious promises of our great God are expressly intended to be taken to him and exchanged for the blessings which they guarantee. Prayer takes the promise to the bank of faith and obtains the golden blessing. Mind how you pray. Make real business of it. Let it never be a dead formality. Some people pray a long time, but do not get what they are supposed to ask for, because they do not plead the promise in a truthful, business-like way. If you were to go into a bank and stand an hour talking to the clerk and then come out again without your cash, what would be the good of it? If I go to a bank, I pass my check across the counter, take up my money, and go about my business. That is the best way of praying. Ask for what you want, because the Lord has promised it. Believe that you have the blessing, and go forth to your work in full assurance of it. Go from your knees singing, because the promise is fulfilled. Thus will your prayer be answered. It is not the length of your prayer, but the strength of your prayer, which wins with God, and the strength of prayer lies in your faith in the promise which you have pleaded before the Lord. Lastly, talk about the promises. Tell the king's household what the king has said. Never keep God's lamps under bushels. Promises are proclamations. Exhibit them on the wall. Read them aloud at the market cross. Oh, that our conversations were more often sweetened with the precious promises of God. After dinner, we often sit for half an hour and pull our ministers to pieces or scandalize our neighbors. How often is this the Sunday's amusement? It would be far better if we said, Now, friend, what a promise. And if the other replied, And you mention a promise too. Then let each one speak according to his own personal knowledge concerning the Lord's fulfillment of those promises. And let every one present tell the story of the Lord's faithfulness to him. By such holy converse, we should warm our own hearts and gladden one another's spirits, and the Sabbath would thus be rightly spent. Businessmen speak of their trade, travelers of their adventures, and farmers of their crops. Should not we abundantly utter the memory of the Lord's goodness and talk of His faithfulness? If we did so, we should all endorse Peter's statement that our God has given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. End of section 11